I missed my turn. It's it's rush hour here now in Netherlands. It's five forty, so I had to kind of turn around, and then yeah, everything just became lighter. It's all good, bro. I'm gonna you're gonna have to do detention later though. That's the voice of MMA legend Alistair Overeem, and I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by Bio Accelerator. Alistair Overeem is a true legend of our sport. Um, he has fought in pretty much every MMA promotion uh, that you've ever heard of, from Dream to Pride to K1 to the UFC, Strike Force, now Glory Kickboxing. Uh, 41-year-old guy, um, has got better in his age, which is definitely one of the reasons I want to talk to him. Um, it's just weird to see guys who have gone through adversity uh, in their MMA careers like Alistair has, who has, who was on the top for a long time uh, in other organizations, was up and down in the UFC, but seems to uh, figure out a way to, to continue to learn and get better in every fight, which is very rare for an MMA fighter to do. Uh, he was recently released by the UFC while still having fights on his contract, which is very rare for a big name like him uh, who could still bring lots of uh, fans to the seats and, and uh, sell pay-per-views for him to get booted uh, was rare. So I was excited to talk to him about that. Um, this is a guy who fought Brock Lesnar in his debut in the UFC um, for the championship. It's, um, he has, he's gone through a lot. And there's a lot to learn from him. Uh, he has gone through tons of physical therapy and, you know, he's had almost a hundred fights. So he's had lots of injuries and it was really interesting getting to talk to him about uh, some of the different physical therapy techniques that he really truly believes in. Because as a professional athlete, you have tons of people that you're always around that um, are always trying to, you know, take advantage of you with their new, you know, therapeutic or their new physical therapy technique. And, and we become very skeptical um, but to hear some things that he truly believes in is uh, it was really interesting. And I think it's uh, something that's helpful for me moving forward in my career. I think Alistair Overeem would really be interested in something that we're about to talk about. Our presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I went down to Columbia and I got pretty much every injury I've ever had in my body injected with the stem cells, um, including my lower leg that I had the compound fracture on. And I'm doing things now that I honestly never would have thought I'd be able to do this early. Uh, it really works. Um, so I really hope Overeem does look into it because I think it could be very beneficial into prolonging his career. Um, and I just want to thank again BioAccelerator for sponsoring Won't Back Down. And uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Alistair Overeem. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. How you doing? Yes, yes pleasure. Yeah, I've been good. Been working hard, uh, then got injured. That was a, that was a biatch. Yeah. Well, you know all about it, right? You you had you had back surgery even. I've had I've had neck surgery. I've had two neck surgeries. Um, I haven't had lower. I haven't had like back like lower back or anything like that um, surgeries, but I've had issues. Um, and uh, and then obviously I've had other oh tons of other surgeries like lower leg 
surgeries. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, wait, yeah. what? What? So what's going on with you? So I had I had um, deadlift. I I hurt my back. It was a disc. So I got I got treated, and then uh, you know they do needles and they do they they, they you know chiropractic. But I was in the U.S. and in the U.S. They're just not as good with these things. Uh, they can't. There's know. there's too many regulations. Probably is that. Well, <laughs> I feel like that's a big just, issue. They just, they just do not have the expertise. And then there's another thing: they want to do surgery because surgery is where they make their money, right? Of course, back yes. surgery, 50, 60, 80k, 100k. Mm. You you were in that. I spoke to you before about your injuries, and I said, listen, I have a guy in Holland who adjusts with his hands, and this method is really awesome. So uh, I just flew back to Netherlands. I just got here. What is it? Three weeks ago. And uh, I'm actually right now 100% just since today, just since now, since an hour. So, uh, but before that, it was just annoying. Treatments and uh, pain also had a pinched nerve. We know how that feels. Oh, it's the worst. So, yeah, there's, training there's has been, has, what's that? No, I'm saying there's nothing worse than, is lower yeah. back? Yeah. Lower yeah. back is the freaking worst pains, bro. Yeah, because your energy is gone. And then motivation goes yeah right and uh yeah so it, it, it's been annoying the last couple of weeks but on the other hand i've had a beautiful career i've never really been hurt yeah i had some broken hands. i had some things here and there but in general i was always good so yeah it is what it is it's all good did you get like uh prp or stem cell or anything in the lower back no, to help no, with no. It? so so uh the way they treat him in netherlands is we have i so i have physical therapists so the physical therapists in the netherlands they treat more with their hands so they will loosen tight areas with the hands, with the elbows. So it's like a like a massage. Yeah. And then my guy also includes uh, dry needling. Yeah. Yep. So that that is now popular in the states, which is like a game changer already. But then I have another game changer, which is orthomanual manual therapy, which is chiropractic, but then better, more precise. I'm actually not allowed to see a chiropractor because they're just not precise enough. And the, the, the way that they adjust is, um, yeah, it's very raw. They're just cracking using force. And uh, that can actually hurt you more. So I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to go see a chiropractor. I will when I'm in the States because there's no orphanage therapy. I used to fly my guy in, but, can, but then because of COVID, it's uh, difficult to do that right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why I'm doing my rehab in Netherlands. Wait, what's the therapy called? Orf, uh, what? Ortho. So O-R-T-O. Ortho. therapy. Ortho manual therapy. Yeah. And it's yeah. just more precise chiropractic work. So they're adjusting, they're adjusting your lower back. So, so 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 there's a lady in the 70s, she passed away. Her name is Dr. Sickens. She was a real doctor, and she just had in her head, I'm gonna solve these vertebrae, these, these pelvis, these back issues. So she uh starts documenting her whole thing. She had students, they had students. She taught her son. Her son uh, treated me also once. This is already like three years ago. He passed away two years ago on cancer. And um, she created the Sickens method. That's what it's called. So it's orphan manual therapy method gotcha. Sickens, her last name. And basically there's 70 people that know this method. 35, half of them is good. 35 people is excellent. The other half is less good. And um, they use their hands to correct your, to, to diagnose you at first. And then uh, secondly, to correct you. And they have their ways of doing that. And it doesn't hurt. They use sometimes a hammer and a phrase. Sometimes they use their hands. And uh, the big one that they can do is um, your pelvis. 
your pelvis is like this, right? Two parts, and it can it can be crooked like this, but mm. it can also be crooked like this. And that is the the biggest game changer. That's he kind of deciphered. It took her 16 years to figure out how to correct the pelvis. They do not have that information in the states yet. They need to get that information. Actually, one of my goals after I'm done fighting is to introduce this method to the states. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I was already talking with the UFC a little bit about it, but that kind of you know COVID hit and then everything just went went quiet. But uh, but pelvis. So what when the when the pelvis is crooked, your 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 spine is going to go in an S, mm-hmm. and it takes all your power out away, and you just feel miserable, and it's just awkward. And I've had that happen three times in my career. So it happened the first time twenty years ago, and um, yeah, I didn't. I'm young, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. kind of going to physical therapists and going to chiropractors, and they're just treating me. They don't, they don't really know what it is. And then eventually, I got to the first orphan manual doctor ever that, uh, that I saw that I met. That was from the Vanderbilt. He's in Amsterdam, mm. and uh, they told me, "Yeah, you need a physical therapist. You need to go see Vanderbilt." So I went to see Vanderbilt, and this is something that bothered me like half a year, almost a year. And the first meeting I, I uh, met with him, a little older gentleman, I think was 50 at the time. She's probably 70 now. I don't even know if he's practicing. But he said, listen, I'm going to diagnose you. Finish diagnosis. He said, yes, your pelvis is crooked. It's going to take me three treatments to get rid of it. This is a problem that's bothered me like almost a year. Taking away training, taking away motivation. Yeah. So that's a Monday. That's the first treatment. When there's a second and the third one on Friday. And then it should be solved. And... The way he said it, the way it was done. Wow. On a Friday, it was solved. Whereby other doctors told me, yeah, you have a week back. You're going to need to learn to live with it. I was like, a week back. Look, I'm 20, 21 years old. Who who believes that? Look at yeah. that. Yeah. Right? So I just kept searching, kept looking. And then I eventually got to this method. So very thankful. And then I had it again in uh, 2012 or actually 2013. I had it. 2013, I had it. And then, um, so this is the fourth time I've had it four times. And then I had it again in 2000, uh, I think 17 or 18. And then again now, mm. right? Because that crooked pelvis can come at any moment. It, 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 it can come by a deadlift, but it can also come, for example, you're walking on the beach where, the, where it's sloped and then you misstep. Usually when you're a little bit tired or when you're a little bit old, older, people will also have, uh, be more susceptible to it. And then your pelvis click clicks like that and then yeah you need to fix it but then in u.s uh they believe in surgery right not good no yeah. it's not good yeah I who agree. had surgery there was another fighter who had surgery too the uh, next next surgery you're talking about Aljamain yeah, sterling uh I don't, I don't know about him but back i think it was you who had the back neck i had neck surgery yeah. ellen burger had uh yeah i had herniations uh ellen burger had uh neck surgery who else had neck surgery um Man. But they're fusing the discs. Oh, Yo Romero got fused. I know that he has a fused Terrible. neck. Terrible. I don't have a fused. I don't have a fused neck. Okay. Um, I have an artificial disc that they put in. So basically, they take out the herniation that was pushing on my nerve. I had the mm-hmm. worst pain, but worse than pain is I had no strength. My strength on my left yeah. side of my body yeah. just went. And yeah. so the way that the way uh, they explain it to me is that if you have the weakness for a certain amount of time, it could that could last forever. So you have to make a decision pretty quickly. You got to make sure yeah. you got to get that you got to yeah. get that that herniation off that nerve as fast yeah. as possible because otherwise yeah. you'd be stuck with weakness. 
So they ended up doing a artificial disc replacement where they took the, they took the disc out and then put in this new disc, which is just a little titanium disc. And it still allows you that full range of motion. It doesn't affect the, um, the disc below it or above it, which is a big issue with when you fuse something. So it fixes the issue because now you have no joint there. It's fused, mm-hmm. but then the rest of your back ends up getting, you know, having issues, um, you know, 10 years down the line, but surgeons, yep. that's what they want to do because it fixes the issue and you're going to go and you're going to play your sport. Yep. You're going to do whatever you want to do. And you're not going to complain yep. for at least 10 years, 10 years later, it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and what do you think about 20 or 30 years later? Yeah, everything yeah. you do, in my opinion, your body is perfect. Everything you do to alter that is going to cost you down the road. I think you're right. Yeah, that's a little bit. That's a little bit the problem with the healthcare system in the U.S. Uh, so in the Netherlands, we have a, a different healthcare system, and in the U.S., it's just simply broken. Right? It's broken when they want to do surgery on you. It's like, huh? I don't even need surgery. So, but they want to do it anyway, and then yeah. So, but listen, I've been very fortunate um, to to grow up here, right? Because that just decides my mindset. And for every injury, I just went back to Netherlands, or I flew my guys to the US, and uh, therefore I only have one surgery done. I've uh, is that correct? Yeah, one surgery done. What you have done? I had bone splints in my elbows. Oh, uh, I've had that. That was two thousand two thousand fourteen. That was. Bone splints and, uh, and all the other stuff, my physical therapy and orphan manual therapist got rid of. I think you're right. The problem is I grew up in the U.S. and I've now had 25 surgeries, which is not good. Um, it started with stuff that may have been pre- preventable. Like when I was wrestling back in when I was a 15 year old kid, I had my first surgery because my meniscus was getting caught inside my joint and locking my joint. That's mm-hmm. what they thought was going on. And but. Now I'm hearing from different people, more holistic approaches, uh, like people with a more of a holistic mindset think that it may have not even been my meniscus that was popping into my joint. It was something else. I forgot. I forgot what the name of it it is, but it's very common when you're going through puberty. I'm 37. Yeah, 37. Uh, That's a lot of surgeries for your age, man. Bro, it's a lot. Because how many fights you got? 30 fights or something? No, I don't have that many fights at all. I uh how many fights i'm 21 21 fights i have 94 fights yeah you you got me smoked 95 i didn't 94 or 90 i think i have 95 fights and that's kickboxing mma kickboxing and mma but i will say this though i know i know where you're going is that you have 95 fights you only have one or two surgeries i have you know 21 fights and i got 25 surgeries it's crazy but i do think wrestling is the worst thing for your body. And I've wrestled my whole entire life. You know, I've had thousands, thousands of matches in wrestling. And I think wrestling really takes a toll on your body, especially yeah. if you're not focused on strength and conditioning. And I hated yeah. strength and conditioning. It was not, it was never competitive enough, enough for me. Yeah. I wasn't like naturally the best at, you know, doing yeah. bench press or squats. So it's like, I just want to go live. I'm beating the guys who are yeah. stronger than me in the weight room anyway. So I'm just yeah. going to focus on that. But I think to hold your body together, properly like your joints and not having joint issues in the future. And, you know, I think it's super important to, to go yeah. You are you, are you a little bit afraid of, uh, you know, in 20 years? Nah, I think it's going to be what it is. You know, I, I'm just trying to get by well, today. Well, well, I'm trying to get that, by today. That That's a little bit, uh, it is what it is because we got to figure it out. Right. That's, <laughs> but I'm hoping that they have really high level technology by the time I'm 50, 60 years old, because 
there's no question I'm going to be paying big time for what I've put my body through during these years, for sure. Yeah. I got to watch that too. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, yeah. You're but I think it's amazing that you haven't, that you only had one, one, one surgery, you know, that's yeah. insane for yeah. a guy who had yeah. almost, you know, a hundred fights. That's really crazy. Yeah. And I know you are too, because, you know, being an athlete, as long as we've been athletes for, you know, we, we, you know, we see a million different physical therapists and chiropractors and everyone's always, everybody wants to work with us, you know, so you, you get what, you know, the best of the best when it comes to that mm -hmm. stuff. But it also got me to the point where I'm super skeptical when it comes to recovery stuff. There's not too many things that I'm like all in on. You know, I remember it was like ultrasound. Uh, then it was, you know, stim that you're doing uh, massage and, um ice bath saunas uh no, PRP, it, it all helps a little bit, but, but the big game changes is um the orpha manual i think because those physical therapists that loosen you up and do dry thing, you have that now in the states and they're good yeah. where are you training now man so i'm training uh i was actually just in denver that was camp so you're uh, training who are you training was it with uh christian cody elliot is that where you're doing your kickboxing training? That's going to be your... your, your uh, yeah, course? and I flew some guys in from the Netherlands. So, uh, and now uh, we're going to... Um, I don't know about next camp. We're going to figure that out. But uh, probably I'll do a little bit of both. Same, right? Netherlands a little bit and then Denver a little bit. I like the high elevation uh, benefit oh, yeah. that it gives me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, now, when did you leave Greg Jackson's? 2018. 2018. And what happened there? Was there issues or... No, there was no issues. Um, I just thought that the, the plateau was reached there. Um, I had that feeling a little bit for a while. And um, I had two losses. I just felt it was not going to get any better. And there, I already was compensating a lot. So I was flying in a lot of people, a lot of coaches, a lot of sparring partners. I was organizing a lot for my own training camp. So, yeah, and then sorry, if, if, if it's not working, you need, to, you need to do something, right? You need to change yeah. something. You're not going to keep uh, continuing a losing formula. So I had yeah. two losses, uh, even though I know I was putting everything in my power to, to uh, winning these fights, winning these, uh, these camps, but it was just not working out. So, uh, and zero bad vibes. Uh, you know, Wink, very straightforward guy. I actually still like him. Greg uh, never really built a relationship with him. He was in my corner one time. Um, that's also the reason why I start uh, flying in other coaches, other people, right, to, for the support. Uh, the team was fine. Team was nice. Holly's awesome. John Jones is a cool guy. Uh, zero bad vibes, right? I didn't get along with Veloski. We sparred. We sparred once, and yeah, there was like a little bit of an attitude, a little bit thing from the get go going on. So then they came with the fight. I was like, yeah, I'll fight him. No problem with that. I didn't like him anyways. Oh, and we that's didn't train, right. That's right. We didn't train. We didn't train at all. So, and then it was kind of funny because then the, the, the coaches, I had my own guys in there, right? So we were just gearing up to fight Andre and he was with Greg and with, uh, with Wink. So this was kind of, they were cornering him. And, but I kind of knew that um, Greg at that time was, I don't know how it is now, but at that time was very, um, yeah, very occupied. So many fighters, so many stuff happening. So yeah, this was all good. was was Jackson not cornering you the whole time because of Rolovsky or just because? Well, okay, so uh, he cornered me the first fight. That didn't want to go well. That was Ben Raffle, and then uh, after that, I started making adjustments, flying in other people, and then uh, the Rolovsky fight happened two years later, whatever. 
<clears throat> and then uh, he texted me. Of, uh, he said, "Yeah, well, he 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 actually texted me before before the fight. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go for a loss with that one, but we'll pick up right after that, right after the fight is done. But we never did." So we never, um, we never really, you know, yeah. You and our last few, that's two alpha males. That's going to be a weird mix in the gym, I feel like. Well, I'm a positive guy. I'm a very positive guy. I can get along with anybody. But um, if somebody has an attitude, I can even forgive that, forget that once or twice. But if somebody keeps doing it, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I will do that. And awesome. um, yeah, to, to me, him, you know. Yeah, it's like uh, whatever. Yeah, I know. There's, there's. Sometimes you get a guy like a, that in the gym where it's you know they have this they have this presence and you gotta kind of like you know bow down to their attitude a few times. I, here I, and there. I totally get it because we're all alpha, we're all champs, right? He's been yeah. UFC champ. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different. Like, 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 and in the end, you're all guys, right? You're all boys playing. Yeah playing around, wrestling, playing, striking techniques, good energy. Uh, we're teammates. So, yeah, but I, I never had that feeling from him, with him. So, yeah, I was all, I was all good fighting him. All good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so, that, so, talk to me about the way the UFC ended up working out for you. So, you only lose one fight in a row, which is – and then, obviously, they have the right to cut us anytime. We have no rights, you know. At any, you mm -hmm. got an eight-fight contract – you win a fight, you lose a fight. I think they could cut you. Um, so they end up releasing you. Now, did you still have fights on your contract when they released you? Uh, I did actually. I did, and I was in an impression to finish my career at UFC, but they had different plans. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't Isn't know. that crazy though? That's never happened. Like it's just recently now that that has happened, where they're cutting big name fighters. Obviously, you make a lot of money, um, who still have fights on their contract. And they're releasing them to, to the world. So now you're a free agent market where you can make a lot of money. You could leave them and you could, you know, take, take your viewership somewhere else. Um, that was never, that never, that never happened before. Yeah. I know they did with Yoel Merrill recently too. He had fights on his contract. They let him go. Um, what's your yeah, thoughts on that? Honest, Why do you think they're doing that? To be honest, Joe Romero is a little bit older than me even. Yeah. Tremendous fighter, tremendous athlete. That's exciting, yeah. exciting to watch. Uh, but even the same with me, we're like a little bit older, a little bit older, right? So I, yeah. I understand it's time for a new, uh, fresh wind, a new, new talent. I have so many fighters, so many awesome young, uh, new fighters. So I, I totally understand it. Maybe they were like, yeah, we want something fresh, something new. Uh, so I don't know. They still have a Loski after all these years. So I don't know what's going on there. But in my case, I just thought, you know what? We've seen Alistair. Let's get rid of him. We've seen enough. It's, it's, yeah, it's but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they – I get what you're saying. But I also think that um, they could get a lot of viewership still out of you. You know, they could they could set up some big fights, you know, still with you. Um, yeah. And then also, if they wanted to – an up-and-comer that they're trying to get a big name, they could hope that he would win against you. I yeah. feel like that's kind of what they were doing in the past. And now they're just, yeah. getting, they're just saying peace yeah. out. Yeah, correct. Um, it's a little bit of mystery to me too. We never had, uh, had that talk because they're not really communicative, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> they don't have that therapeutic uh, aspect. <laughs> no, Definitely they're gonna not. do what they're gonna do, and and they they have the full right to do what they're gonna do in their company. Yeah. Um, they've always treated me very fairly. Otherwise than that, um, 
it's very difficult to to uh, to um, to negotiate with them. But I don't know. I'm in general, I'm I'm satisfied about the period, um, and now it's on to the next chapter. Yeah, I mean, you're a guy who has fought, you know, all over the all over the world. Pride, dream, uh, K1, glory. How do you how do you compare the UFC um, and working for them as opposed to well, even though we don't technically work for them because we're independent contractors, but being a part of that promotion compared to these other promotions, and now you're with Glory. How does how does that compare? Uh, well, they are absolutely uh, huge, right? Uh, the biggest MMA promotion. But um, you know, if I look at the other promotions, okay, K1 uh, didn't pay me my prize money. That's a lot of money. Oh that man, that 400k they check they never wired. They I never, think they I remember this. This was about never, the time you were heading to the UFC, or like, was there man uh, you had management yeah, issues or something? Year later, year later, like a year half later, I was in the UFC. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I have a good memory. If prom- promotions don't pay, and the dream title fight as well. And if you never got that money. You were never able to, no, you know, lawyers no, and all that money. crap. It was a lot of money. So, in that regard, UFC always pay their bills. Uh, there's a, there's an argument going about fighter pay. Uh, I, you know, I understand it. I, I understand, but they're paying. Mm-hmm. All the promotions yeah. are not paying. I so, agree. And even, I, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I know some inside info on some guys, you know, they're with like, you know, the one championships or I'm just, just other, there's just other organizations where it's a lot of money, but there's also stipulations inside the contract where, you know, if you're fighting MMA, this is how much you're getting. But if you're fighting kickboxing, this is what you're getting. And now all of a sudden, if you're going to be making like, let's say you're making a million dollars to fight MMA. They only want to give you that kickboxing fight if the kickboxing fight is thirty thousand dollars, you know, and they're going to push yeah, it on I, you. That type I, of stuff. I don't, know, I don't know anything about one of C. Uh, I never dealt with them, so I can't. I can't. I'm not speaking about one. I'm not. No, no just one FC. Oh, all these different. Just any organization. I'm not well, throwing. I, I just know that it's tricky, yeah. right? And then UFC is a certainty, and it's the biggest platform. Um, I'm a fan. It's the biggest, uh, biggest, uh, biggest, uh, the hardest competition for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, there's, it, it's tough. It's a tough organization to deal with, but it is the biggest organization. It is the organization. So no, I just want to be honest, want to be clear. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're tough, but the life is tough. Yeah, I agree. As far as organizations go, when you, when you, when you uh, left the UFC, how to go with like free agency, but how long were you in free agency for? And, what was that like? Not long. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of organizations reached out, so there was a lot of interest straight away. Um, yeah, I just uh, directed it all to uh, management, and uh, yeah, I have to say, uh, but it, it, it was like a lot of talk straight up. Yeah, and you're ha- and you're happy. You happy with your deal with Glory now? Yeah, I think gotcha. Glory is uh, is uh, becoming very exciting. Most exciting kickboxing at the moment. Um, of course, with me added, there, there's some other heavyweights uh, added in the, in the roster as well. They're doing huge events. So their event that I was going to fight uh, is, uh, what is that, 38,000 people, big soccer stadium in the Netherlands. I was very excited to make it the full circle back in the Netherlands where I actually started. My first kickboxing fight was in 97. That's crazy. Uh, small arena, you know, 200 people in there, something like this. And now it's like huge, 38,000. It's going to be massive on the TV. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. For me, full circle. Uh, I finished where I started. And uh, for the fans also. Is it like a certain amount of fight deal where you're exclusive to them or you could go other organizations? 
Like, if you want I to go take a boxing fight against Logan Paul, are you allowed to just go do that? I could actually do that, yes. Really? All right, there yeah. you go, Logan. <laughs> Alistair is free. Take him. Take him. Nah, he he doesn't he doesn't want any. You know, <laughs> I think you're he's right. doing good. He's going to do good business, but of course, he's picking and choosing his guys, right? Small yeah. wrestler guys that don't really, yeah, they don't really. Well, and Logan Paul, he's the older brother. He's the one he he fought Floyd Mayweather. He weighs about I don't know, like just say he weighs two ten. Fought Floyd Mayweather, and I don't know if you ever been around Floyd. He's a small, he's small, he's tiny, like one fifty five or something. Yeah, tiny, tiny dude. One sixty. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, they... so that's that's all orchestrated. That's all, uh, and good for them, right? Good for them. They would never, uh, you know, if it becomes threatening or dangerous, they would never do it. They would never come into MMA. They're doing something that they kind of feel that hey, this is kind of like the cards are stacked on my side, but they would never, they would never take a risk to, to really get hurt. Like oh, what we're doing, right? The real yeah. fight against a real, real killer. And then time and time again, they're doing, they're doing the, 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 the safe, easy playing part. Yeah. It's not real fights what they're doing. I agree. <laughs> you know, if you're fighting a guy who's, who's 50 pounds less and, and Mayweather is known to win on decision, right? Yeah. Win on points. That's that's different than fighting uh, Francis Ngannou, Fedor Melianko, or or the beast that you've faced, right? So yeah. that's, that's yeah. They're just they're just they're just filling around. They're making a nice name. They're they're attracting a lot of things, a lot of people. They're making a, a buck out of it. Well, congratulations. Yeah. But other than that, it's uh, yeah, there's no this. I don't. I to me personally, I don't. I don't stay up to watch these fights. Yeah, not at all. I did watch Conor because that was an amusing fight, Conor and Floyd. Yeah, that was cool, mm-hmm. but the YouTubers, yeah, I don't know, I don't really. Uh, it, I, I also, it's a different generation too. Yeah, if you watch one of those fights, uh, so I guess you didn't see Frank Mir fight. He fought somebody on one of those fights. He did a boxing fight. Did you see that? I didn't watch that fight. I, I, I it I was saw some pictures on Twitter, but I, I don't know. The thing with that event, I think it was a thriller event. They, the commentators were all high as hell. So you got all these commentators who are just, they're smoking, they're probably drunk, whatever, they're out of it. And they're literally making fun of Frank Mir. And it was terrible to see. They're like, you know, this is a, you know, guy, a whole famer, a guy who's been around for a long time. He's older now. He's doing something boxing. You know, he was a jujitsu black belt. He's not a boxer, but he's in there trying his best. And they're literally making fun of him. And I'm like, yo, this is fucking terrible. It, there yeah, is a but, professionalism but, but, that comes with, you know, in, like especially the UFC and some of these other MMA organizations. Yeah. There's a professionalism there, yeah. and, and the Triller event and these these YouTube, you know, fights. It's it's not there, so it'll make you sick to your stomach if if that type of thing bothers you. Well, I I, I don't even watch it. Right to me, yeah. um, the power to ignore is perfect. If I have to watch all that stuff, no, no. I just, I just do not watch what I, what I think is irrelevant. And yeah. that's actually quite some things. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not bothered by it. That's funny. Yeah. What, um, so is kickboxing now just, just kickboxing training. How's that yeah. going? How, how is yeah, that? Training, uh, what's that uh, like? Since, uh, actually since the vocal fight last fight. So I, I took like a month off after that fight was a little bit damaged, uh, recovered and then just started kickboxing. So I'm not really wrestling. I'll sometimes I'll wrestle. Sometimes I'll grab the, the some some guys and you know, all you know play around a little bit, but in general it's just kickboxing, kickboxing, strength conditioning. And so yeah, what does that what does that training camp look like when you compare it to MMA? Obviously, there's less things you have to do. So what's what's the training look like? Yeah, you you're you're perfecting what you're what you're doing, right? You're doing the, the same thing uh, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of like, striking. Kicks, sp- knees, are you running and are you doing like running and stuff like that or no? Yeah, running sprints, yeah. long gotcha. run, long distance. 
where, where's your mindset at with sparring? Um, obviously, we all grew up in the era of just being the shit out of each other. I'm sure that's kind of how it was, you know, sparring when you were uh, starting out. Um, and now a lot of people don't spar at all. And if they do spar, yeah, it's, you know, I, play I, sparring. I, I think uh, sparring, you know, you have to watch your brain. That's important. And we're thinking 20, 30, 40 years long term. So I don't really spar as much. I don't think that is uh, that is good. Uh, but there's so many other things you can do, right? So many other drilling you can do. I just don't think that getting hit is a good thing. So when so, did you – so is it zero sparring before fights these days? No, I'll, I'll spar. I'll definitely spar. Is but, it uh, hard sparring or is it like, you know, people you trust, you hit somebody with yeah, a good shot, it's so, chill? sometimes a little bit hard. But, but back in the days, it was like two or three times a week hard. And now it'll be, let's say, once every – once a week or once every two weeks. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have yeah. the brain recover. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, so when I first started, it was the same. It was two or three weeks. I mean, two or three times a week hard every single time. And then uh, as I got older, smarter, you learn from more people. You know, it's more drilling, a lot of play yep. sparring. Um, you know, not no one's getting hit crazy hard. And uh, yep. maybe once a week, you know, a good hard one. But I could go, yep. you could go hard with the wrestling. You go hard with the jujitsu. You know, it's different things you go yep. hard with. But I agree. Getting hit in the head, it, it, it depends. Like, you know. If you're one of those guys that you're just like a, the slugger that's in there and you just you're you're getting punched every day in sparring, um, you know, leaving leaving sparring with headaches and stuff, it's terrible. But if you're you could not spar, gonna last, not gonna last. not gonna last. How many guys have you seen like that, man, throughout your career? Right? Yeah, I've 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 I actually have a friend, I'm not gonna name him, but um I didn't see him for a couple of years. He he was a fighter like 20 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, 15 to 18 years ago. And I hadn't seen him for five years. And I saw him and I was like, I was like, oh, shit. Right? So uh, there, was, there was visible, uh, visible uh, damage. Like his mental. You're saying the way he was talking and just all that? Yeah. Reacting. Yeah. That sucks, look in man. the eyes. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. I got a buddy. I got a buddy too. Again, I won't name names, but yeah, it's, it's sad to well, see. That, 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 that's a little that. bit the reality check, right? We're getting older. Uh, that's a little bit the surgery stuff too, right? We have to, we, like, fighters are not really usually long-term thinkers. I definitely was not when I was 20, 20, 20 years ago. But uh, as you get older, you you need to start thinking long-term. So uh, what I'm doing is not good. <laughs> Fight 24 years, uh, better 10 to 12 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I need, I, need, I need to retire. Yeah. I need to retire soon. So you go over to Glory. That's this is the new promotion you're with. Um, one of the, I mean, it's the best kickboxing you know on the planet. Going back to do something that you haven't done really in ten years, but I think you haven't lost your last like five or six fights. I think in kickboxing against some of the best guys in the world. So it's like a fresh start with something that you haven't lost in a, in a really long time. Um, and you're fighting Rico Verhoeven. Is, I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce yeah. his name or not, but he they, they call him the, the king of kickboxing. He really is unbelievable. I mean, what's your thoughts? How are you feeling about a fight like that, you know, taking this time off? Yeah, very good. Very optimistic. Uh, you know, I've seen many of his fights. Um, strong guy, strong cardio. In general, not a finisher, but he is winning his fights, usually on decision. Um, of course, we, in MMA, we analyze fights, I think, a little bit more particular than in kickboxing because in MMA, there's just more going on. So our, our uh, view is very broad. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing opportunities. I'm seeing weaknesses. 
So feeling very good, very, very confident. Training was going very well right up until the injury. And, you know, now, you know, you shift back a gear back, recovery now, but then back on the horse and then I'm going to go for it. Riga is now fighting Jamal Ben Sadiq. So that's going to be a good fight. They fought twice before. It's one-on-one. And I don't know who's going to win, but, um, yeah, I'll be ready for the winner. How do you compare these guys to, like, Spong back in the day, Saki, Peter, Peter Ertz? Where do you where do you see the talent level at in the heavyweight um, division? Okay, so Jamal Bensidik fought Peter Arts, lost, which was a very amusing fight. You can go on YouTube and watch that. And then, um, yeah, Saki Spong. It's all top level. It's all high level, right? Saki and Spong have fought. Uh, Rico fought uh, Saki as well. Spong he didn't fight, but yeah, exciting fights. All top so you, fighters. But you, you don't think you don't think the sport of kickboxing has evolved in the last ten years to where like a guy who hasn't been in it for ten years is like a fish out of water coming in, even if he was top uh, top well, notch. Let's not forget that that in MMA, of course, we we are also striking, right? So it's not that I have disappeared for ten years, but I was training, I was just doing other stuff. Yeah. And uh, as you can see in my fights, I'm I'm striking a lot in my fights. It's not that I'm only wrestling. So striking is a big part of MMA, and uh, I've I've been doing that. So my point of bringing it up is that I've, MMA is like such a new sport, right? So you see the evolution so so quick. You know, the last 15 mm -hmm. years, it's amazing how it's evolved. Mm -hmm. But if you look at like boxing, um, you take a guy like Muhammad Ali, you throw him into today's day. I think he's doing all right. You know, I think he's not a fish out of water. I don't think boxing has evolved as far as the technicalities behind it, um, like an MMA has in the last 20 years. Um, and I'm thinking like kickboxing is kind of similar to boxing with that. What do you think? Yeah. Well, that is the thing. It's uh, it's a kickboxing is one dimensional and then a kickboxing is, I would say two dimensional and then MMA is four dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. There's just a lot more going on and a lot more to be aware of a lot more dangers a lot more um, weapons to be used. So, yeah, a lot more unknown factors. Yeah, I agree. A lot more We're, competition, too, which is uh, now slowly uh, shifting a little bit because there's obviously a lot of kickboxing guys now, too. But back in the days, I mean, how many guys did you see on the roster? But, uh, yeah, and kickboxing back before then also was huge, right? Back in the K1 days, it had, like, there was, so, there was unlimited karate guys going into k1 and it seems that those karate guys now went into mma because that's kind of like the new hype uh so yeah we'll see maybe the next hype will be the bare knuckle everybody going into that yeah who knows uh, who knows i mean that's as i guess real as you get but there's no mma you know it's just bare knuckle mma is probably the next thing that people are going to get into um, and then weapons, right. uh, then you need, then you need yeah. swords. That'll be the shotguns. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Then you go to guns. Um, yeah, it should be, it should be freaking interesting what happens. I, I think kickboxing is one of the most entertaining sports to watch as far as martial arts goes. And in the United States, I don't feel like it's really took, um, to where it should be. And hopefully, uh, you know, glory is able to do something to really get it promoted. And I think picking you up is a big part of getting that, that American audience really involved. Um, what do you think? What do you think the holdback is with that? I mean, there's nothing. Everyone in America wants to see knockouts, you know, and they always love boxing. MMA is, you know, it's got its knockouts as well. But kickboxing is where it's at. You know, if you want to see. Well, it's, best it's, strikers. It's, it's, it's all about the promoter. Listen, even MMA uh, can be very thankful of Dana White because he did it. 
right? He was not alone, of course, of course, the Fatidas. But you need a strong person to do it. And um, I think maybe uh, in kickboxing, uh, you have a strong organization. But, you know, why not strong person too? Maybe two, maybe three. So who's the who's the owner of Glory? That is Pierre Andrand. Is he is he the promoter too, or they got somebody else who does that? They got some other promoters. Yeah. Gotcha. And is there a different guy for American American Glory? I don't know. They had a U.S. team or have. Uh, I'm not sure of the status now. I don't know of their plans. They did some events in Chicago, in Denver, in L.A. So I've had events all over. But uh, yeah, listen. That's what I mean. It's not easy to to build a brand. Yeah, it's not easy. I agree. Right? There's so many factors, so many uh, so many uh, different aspects to the game of it. So uh, yeah. Um, so obviously, you're supposed to fight this weekend. You got injured. Uh, what's next? I know you seem feeling better now. When do you think you're fighting again? Uh, recovery mode. Probably not a week. Then I'll start training slowly again. I need to get to some sort of baseline. And then um, we're going to announce the fight, right? So four, five, six months, something like this. Is it that you're fighting the winner of this 100% or is there someone else that's a possible? Uh, I have no idea. But, gotcha. you know, my, my focus is getting better and just getting back in the gym. You yeah. know how it is when you're not training. I don't know. I like I love to train. It's also an outlet. It gives me my, uh, my dopamine. And I'm not having that for the last couple of weeks. So for me, it's all about getting better, getting back in the gym. I know there's, if there's some people are out there that have never really trained to where that's all you're focused on is eating healthy and training hard. There's, there's a, it's a drug, you know, it's, a, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's great. You see the progress. Uh, you're, you're, you're actually physically working. So you're tired at the end of the day, you sleep better, dopamine working, uh, builds confidence. I recommend every uh, child to go do BJJ. Learn how to defend yourself. So uh, really, really big support of BJJ as well. Of course, not really doing that myself but anymore. But uh, after I'm done, I'll definitely be getting my black belt. Awesome. I'm a blue belt right now. <laughs> really? With, that gu- with the guillotine choke? I mean, you've, you've, choked out, uh, you've choked out tons of black belts with your we, guillotine. We, we submitted Nothing? a couple of guys, but I'm, I'm obviously <laughs> a blue belt. <laughs> Is it because you just don't go to gi classes? Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Always no gi. Yeah, I'm with, yeah. Well, I got my black belt, but um, I was a pretty much a no gi guy. Uh, the beginning, I, I started with gi, um, and uh, I love gi because I think to learn the right the basics and like the small mm-hmm. uh, nuances of jujitsu, I think it's important to learn with the gi. But then when you start doing just MMA, there's a lot of things. If you're a competitive person, which I am, I know you are. Like you know, if you start getting gi choked. And now you got to learn the defense to gay chokes. You know, you're wasting time doing that as opposed to, you know, focus on MMA related jujitsu, but it's a great art. I think I'm with you. I highly recommend all kids. Um, For the kids is awesome, right? It's ridiculous. I mean, For the kids is awesome. If you had to pick one thing, I mean, if you don't understand, if you don't understand how to stop, look at Hoist Gracie, look at the beginning of the UFC. Jujitsu was the best because no, everyone yeah. just knew one thing. When everybody just knows one thing, jujitsu is really a problem, man. Yeah. If you don't know yeah. how to get someone off your neck or your arm, yeah, you're 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 in a yeah. in a bad spot. And it doesn't matter if you're big or small. You know, like a small guy, the small guys are some of the hardest dudes to deal with in jujitsu. Yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. I'd much rather go with the big guy. You know, than have this this dude. I just no, no matter what I do, I can't pass yeah. his guard. 
and somehow yeah. it keeps taking my back. I'm like, what the? Yeah, it's this little. Yeah, so, they don't get so, tired. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, man. It's, it's, it's awesome. Even uh, you know, in the, in the Denver, we have Eastons, awesome level, amazing level, and uh, these are these are normal people, normal. I know. Dads, not coming from athletic moms, backgrounds. And uh, and they're good. Their level is good. And what about these Gordon Ryan types? They oh could go in the UFC immediately, right? Because they're just they're just awesome. They are good. <laughs> Bro, I used to I used to work with uh, Gordon all the time. You know, when he was up and coming, it was good. It was good work. And then one day he came back and he turned into it. He was a different human being. He was a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. And next yeah. thing you know, he I just remember it was the only time really I felt so helpless uh, in jujitsu. He passed my guard slowly, went to mount, and just postured up and looked at me. And I was trying to buck. I was trying to do all my typical things I do to escape mount. Nothing was working. I'm like, what the? F <laughs> like, what did this guy? What is this guy doing? He killed me. Um, next level, guys. Next level. It's just a, they just have such a method, a method to it. You know, it's just they have it all figured out. You know, especially with the heel hook stuff. That's I think the easiest way for yeah. it to explain it is that no matter you know, and and I like like a lot of the heel hook guys. I'll try to heel hook them. You know, um, but the really good guys, when I go for that heel hook, they, they just know that position. They're light years ahead of me. They're just so much better. They know exactly where to turn yeah. their foot. They're going to the be chilling and you're going to be uh, doing whatever. And yes. Then, then it's their turn. <laughs> Bro, that's so, it's a science. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful science. All right. Last question. So um, retirement. You talked about retirement. How do you, where do you see yourself uh, in retirement? What are, we, what are we doing for retirement? Um, I... You know, I love to teach. So I've been giving seminars forever, the last 20 years. And I've actually also teach, when was my first class? I think like 2000, I started teaching. Uh, so my, my, my Muay Thai coach 20 years ago, back in the day, said, yeah, you need to find a student and then, you know, one of the team. So I found another guy on the team, you're big. Uh, you want to work with me? So I just worked with him three times, uh, um, three times a week after my session. So I would, the first move on session, then I would work with him. And I don't know. I just, I just like it. I love it. Uh, giving is receiving. And uh, I just think it's positive to teach. And to be honest, I have a great career. A lot of experiences up and down. There's, there's actually for me not much else to do. <laughs> I don't like to work. I don't like to, I don't want to own a company, right? Because that feels like work and responsibility. So, I, but I love being on the mat, and that's that's something I can do. I can do, and I'm not thinking of teaching eight hours a day. I'm just te thinking teaching three, four hours a day, same rhythm as I am in now. Uh, but then you know you're working with other people. That that will keep me uh, moving. That will keep me tired in the evening. That will keep me on the diet. And uh, I just want to stay in that lifestyle. Stay healthy. And to share my experiences with with the next generation. And to be honest, I think they need it too because um, the next generation I hear is a little bit softer than us. So we need to we need to have them uh, go through adversity, right? In on their own, mm. on their own path, on their own way. But uh, they need to they need to learn that. They need to learn to 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 fight through. Speak. Well, this is the true last question. I know I said that, but um, you spoke about ups and downs in your career. If you had a mm -hmm. pick, because one of the big parts of my show is, you know, talking about tough times, getting through, you know, pushing through adversity. Um, if you had to pick one of the lowest points in your career, um, what would it be? And then how did you get, how did you get through it? 
Uh, well, I've had uh, a couple low points, but uh, one that immediately jumps to mind was uh, 2000. And when was that? 2006, seven was really bad. And I'll tell you why. So my daughter was born, oldest daughter, but she was crybaby. <laughs> Every night for six months straight, no sleep. Oh my gosh. So that drained that drained me, that drained my relationship at the time. And then everything just sucks and everything is just bad. And then in the day there was nothing going on, but that night it was just every night drunk. So you get overtrained, you get injured, you're losing fights, um, you know, three in a row, your contract uh, at Pride at the time didn't get extended. Um, it got bought by UC, by the way. That was really hard. My mother, uh, on top of that, uh, got cancer, a very aggressive type. Mm. so um, uh, breast cancer so she needed to get chemo and all the treatments and uh, yeah they, they, they I, I was told she had 6 to 12 months to live so oh it, it all hits you at once and that is a little bit the thing when, when multiple things is hitting you it's tough it's tough how did you get through that what did you do is it just get into the gym and focus on training or what, what, what do you feel like well, training at the same time, there was another thing going on because there was another thing. I made a wrong investment, wrong real estate investment. That drained me financially. Uh. <laughs> so there was no money. There was no, you know, and there's no backup. So in some cases, you had to fight. I'm sure you recognize that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you have to fight. Otherwise, there's no, there's no, there's no food on the table, uh, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And you're already minus whatever. So, uh, yeah, that, that was tough. It was tough. Tough. And, 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 um, there was light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very blessed and fortunate with good people around me that you choose yourself, right? But you mm-hmm. have to invest in them as well. Mm-hmm. Have uh, great people around me. And then it's just time. You have to, you, you know, it is what it is. And you're just going to have to get through it. And then uh, let's say like a year, year half later, actually I turned it around when I won the strike for spelt. That was, when was it again? November, 2007. So it was, that was a year half I was in it. Jeez. Yeah. Brett Rogers, right? Um, it, who, no, that no, was Paul Buentello. Oh, okay. Wait, when yeah, you fought Paul. Brett Rogers, didn't you? Yeah, that was 2010, but 2007, I won the strike for title. Gotcha. Okay. Well, oh man, I appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah, I won't take any Long more of your story, time. But- no, man, that was awesome. That's that's the type yeah. of things that people need to hear. People just yeah. they look at us like you know we don't understand like real, you know, their issues and, and, you know, we all have, you know, life issues and we still, you know, go out there and fight and we put on good performances, put on bad performances, but nobody really knows the stuff we're going through, you know? No. So I think it's important for people to, to hear these things. Yeah. 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 Adversity, fight for adversity. Right. And, 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 you know, to close on a positive note, I um, really became good at, um, getting myself myself dialed in so there's the training part there's the financial part which is a whole other war at itself and then also the other problems that drain your energy right when your mother's sick okay you need to get through it it's a problem but um and my mother by the way she healed she got the whole thing chemo hair loss radiation treatments uh but she actually survived so and then she got cancer again for six months after and she survived that too. So, so sometimes it's time, but you have to just keep fighting through it. Because if you're gonna just sit there and uh, yeah, what, what what is the other solution? Sit there and give up? 
feel bad I about think it. I've, yeah. uh, I think I think you know we're fighters for a reason. We we just don't give up, right? We don't. Yep. Even you with all your twenty four, twenty five surgeries, you're you're still in it and you're still doing your thing. Yeah. So they, that's, they ain't that's, stopping me. Yeah. They ain't stopping me. No. No. So well, I'll, I'll be feeling it at some point, but <laughs> they won't stop me. Yeah. Um. All right, brother. I really appreciate you doing this, man. It was great talking to you, and uh, I look forward to seeing your fights in glory and everything that is to come. Chris, hey, thanks for your time. That was an awesome conversation with Alistair Overeem. Um, it was really interesting to talk to him about what he thinks the differences between the uh, healthcare system in the U.S. and Europe are uh, when it comes to therapeutic and physical therapy techniques. Um, he feels like we kind of jump right into surgery pretty quickly here in the United States and Europe. They really focus more on the holistic approach, hence why he now flew out to the Netherlands to get this physical therapy slash uh, chiropractic work done out there. So he must really believe in it. Uh, interesting to hear why he thinks he got released from the UFC, um, even though he had fights left on his contract and he had, and he's a big name. Um, he's a guy who's fought in pretty much every organization that we've ever heard of um, and to get his honest thoughts on how he compares the UFC uh, to these other organizations, because the UFC does get a lot of bad um, news about them when it comes to uh, paying the fighters. But what he does make very clear is that the difference is that the UFC actually pays. When you go to these other, other, other organizations, some of these paychecks might sound really big and you're like, oh, these guys are paying the fighters the right way. But there's plenty of times, like he said, twice he didn't get paid at all from these big fights uh, and these other organizations. It's not as trustworthy. The UFC always pays, uh, something that people don't really think about. Um, it was cool to talk to him about what he, when he thinks he's going to be retiring and what he's going to be doing in his retirement and also when he thinks he's going to be fighting next uh, in glory. Awesome conversation. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, remember, if you want to hear more conversations like this one I just had with Alistair Overeem, all you have to do is click that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. I've also got a YouTube channel, so if you want to check the podcast out or check out some videos about my recovery, please go subscribe to that as well. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.